Welcome to Creative in Tech. Powered by Reed Speaker. Technology is constantly evolving, and the companies that adapt win. In this podcast, you'll hear from companies and thought leaders across various verticals who blend the art and science in one of the biggest growing spaces in technology, conversational AI. You'll hear how they're creating the touchtone experiences that will define the next generation of customer strategy. Join me, Carrie Roberts, your host for this podcast and the brand evangelist for North America at readspeaker.ai as we explore the intersection of creative and tech. Welcome to Creative and Tech, a podcast show powered by ReadSpeaker.ai. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts, and I'm the brand evangelist for North America at ReadSpeaker. And this show is all about highlighting the various brands, organizations, and people that are creatively using one of the fastest growing spaces in technology, artificial intelligence, including things like conversational AI, voice technology, and more. And today we're focusing on AI in field services. And I have with me today two wonderful people from a company called Vlooper. I have Nikolai and Linda. Now, Nikolai, you are the co-founder and CTO. Linda Yang Jiang is the COO at Vlooper. And before we get into kind of our full conversation, I'd love to start with kind of each of you. And Nikolai, I'll start with you as one of the co-founders of this company. You were named Forbes 30 Under 30. And I also read on your LinkedIn, which I loved, you said your ultimate aim is to work on impactful projects to shape a more beautiful, collaborative, and peaceful future, and also to understand how the universe and everything works. <laughs> so I loved uh, what you know that what, the way that was written. Can you share with us kind of what that means and how you got into this space? What excites you about this space? Definitely. Thanks a lot, Carrie. So um, really. It all, I guess, started uh, quite a while ago when I uh, started studying mathematics uh, back in college and, uh, and really got excited about the field of, of intelligence and artificial intelligence and how uh, basically both humans think and, and, and solve problems, but also how machines think and, and solve problems. And um, I guess there was some fair inspiration of sci-fi and maybe some great entrepreneurs of our time as well. Uh, that that uh, shaped that vision as well. And then uh, basically uh, after grad school, I met my two wonderful co-founders, actually quite by chance, and, and I guess that's a different story altogether, uh, Hami and Maurice, and, and we uh, got together and they they pitched an initial version of the idea to me. And, and, and basically after a little bit of criticism back and forth uh, and discussion, we, we really thought, you know what, that's really a great opportunity. And so that was end of 2016, beginning of 2017, when we started those discussions. And then we really started uh, and kicked off the looper uh, in 2017, so mid, mid to end 2017, uh, where all of this conversational technology was just on the rise, basically. Google Assistant just came out a year prior to that. Uh, Alexis and Series were just being thrown around. And one thing that we understood is basically... Um, why isn't there an actually working conversational AI in the world that works for one domain and that uh, perfectly? And and I guess uh, this inspiration from math and sci-fi and and really what this technology can do to uh, humanity, both in improving it, but also in understanding it, that is what got us, I guess, working together. That's extremely exciting. And then, of course, you bring on Linda here, who is an impressive individual herself. Now, Linda. 
you built a company from basically zero, from nothing, into the largest mobile app for analytics, advising, and developer services platform in China, which was later acquired by Alibaba. You worked with Samsung. You worked with other startups and advised. You know, how did you kind of get into this space? What excites you about conversational AI, and why did you become a part of Looper? Yeah, I think just uh, with my background on the mobile, I kind of saw this whole mobile revolution, right? Evolution, like uh, from feature phone to smartphone, you know, from where I am now. And uh, I really see that kind of potential in voice right now, because right now the voice, you know, like Nicola mentioned, is in being the market. We got this out the home speaker, but it's quite disappointing. So we need the next breakthrough. It's a little bit like, you know, iPhone type of thing, right? There's something has to happen and totally change the whole industry. But I think uh, that's make it exciting because it hasn't reached that stage yet. So there's still a lot of opportunities, particularly from startup perspective. And, uh, and also I say, you know, when I, I was actually in China a few years ago and, um, I saw also the China in China, people love adopting new technology, actually much more advanced. I mean, much more open for new technologies. And voice actually is one thing, you know, people use actually daily day, even they sending messaging, they send a voice messaging, they use all these kind of things. And even enterprises start using like, a, you know, lots like a voice assistant from customer care, do sales. I mean, all different things. People really try things in China and, um, I say, you know, in the rest of the world, particularly in the Europe, actually, we're not catching up a little bit as well in, in terms of the use case, because China is a huge population, right? They can try lots of different things, uh, very easy. But I think in the UK, particularly right now, we found like a lot of enterprise and right now much open compared to fair years ago, we like to try this. Yeah. Yeah. And Linda, I, you know, I was talking to you this about before, because, you know, you both are in, in the UK now. I'm in the U.S. You have a lot of experience, Linda, in China. And I feel like all three places think about conversational AI and use it very differently. Um, in your opinion, Linda, how do you think that China kind of uses conversational AI? Maybe why are they more open to it? And what have you seen differently in terms of how Europe uses it or the U.S.? Yeah, I think... Uh, I, think um, uh, I mean, particularly in, in China, I think... Uh, um, I, I have say like a, there's lots already very established use case in the conversational AI, particularly if we think about the customer care perspective. Like a, uh, uh, you know, few years ago, lots. I mean, one of the largest Chinese restaurant actually just using bot to take in booking. It's been like two or three years now, and uh, at that point it was quite a massive hit. But actually, I, I had got a great use case because they save money significantly. They don't need to have someone to you know stay on the phone and then to actually answer all these questions, answer all these booking inquiries. So, and also, I mean, during the COVID, I think uh, in China, people are quite, cre- you know, creative, creativity in a lot of things. There's a voice uh, interactive lift, you know, China all living the power block and during the COVID, nobody want to touch the button of the elevator. So, I mean, at the beginning of the COVID, there's lots of tech company actually really bring, you know, basically enable the lift to become like elevate, enable the lift to become like a voice enabled. So um, I think things are really fun. I mean, there's something happened. There's lots of chance of company try to do it. And also in, if we talk about, uh, you know, um, mobility sector, like manufacturers, uh, China has a lot like, you know, this kind of um, devices you can put in your car, even not building in, in the car, but you could add it on, you know, from like a smart mirror to this kind of 
navigation type of thing, hardware, you can just, you know, install in your car and the purely voice enabled even can read you like WeChat message. You can reply WeChat message, you know, that kind of thing. I think, uh, uh in China, I, I think people are quite, you know, willing to try different way to apply the conversational AI. And, uh, I, I mean, in the UK, I think uh, still, I think I read a report actually a few weeks ago. I mean, UK and the US are the largest market for in terms of the voice users. So I think uh, from that perspe- perspective, you know, compared to other countries, UK and the US are also very kind of active in the voice ecosystem. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, in the US, in terms of voice, we are very heavy we tend to be heavy on using Amazon or Alexa or Siri, um, which isn't normally seen as much in other places in the world. Um, We also have issues sometimes of questions of security or privacy um, or how can something be efficient. So there are some differences here. Nikolai, from your perspective, I don't know if you have any perspective from China or the US, but especially in Europe, what are you kind of seeing in terms of how they're open to this type of technology and how they're using it? A very good question. I guess uh, I'll I'll chip in uh, from a slightly different perspective that that definitely applies to Europe. So Europe is quite a heterogeneous market language wise, right? So you actually have you know, the French, the Germans, the Spanish, uh, the Italians, and so you have many many different languages. And so the technology isn't as developed in all these languages as it is maybe for for a single language market like the U.S. or China. <laughs> And so the applications actually turn out to be maybe a year or two behind the U.S. or Chinese counterparts. So the experience is like what we would have in the U.S. two years ago, which is definitely not as good as it is now. So this is one thing that I think stops people from using conversational AI uh, in, in, in Europe or, or is more of a hindrance. But then at the same time, I guess the other other thing that people are really looking for in these systems, at least from 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 the experience and from from the uh, conversations that I had with people, is apart from the customer service that that we all know from and automating these things, it is actually having the assistant, so like Siri and Alexa, but as a next generation thing. So instead of just "Hey Alexa, play music" or "Hey Siri." remind me at 5 p.m. about something to actually be able to do things more in a more meaningful, in a better way, and in a conversational way. And so I think people in Europe, uh, they are waiting for this, as, as Linda called it, the iPhone moment in conversational AI when, when the system really becomes conversational. And I feel this is really, apart from all of these business automation things, what people are really hoping for uh, in the next couple of years. No, I think that's a really great perspective. Um, we are talking about field services today. Now, your company works with a variety of different verticals. And I'd love for you to kind of explain what field services is, what does that entail and encompass, and where that industry kind of is now and where you see it going, especially in terms of AI as a whole. Linda, I'll start with you on that one. So field service is actually quite large domain if we, we're taking it as a domain perspective, right? So in, I think in general speaking, it's any work you do out of your office. So you do things on site. And, uh, you know, some common kind of scenario could be, you know, you do maintenance, 
we do repairing, we do installation, and um, you know that type of services you, you you do out of your office, out of your your uh, you know your your core company kind of thing. And uh, and then if we think about different kind of industry. I mean, there's so many industry actually need this kind of services or actually you you know working on this kind of services. The larger one could be like a utility company, you know, water, electricity, they always need to keep your house hum, house a uh, house has a water has electricity. They need to come to install, they need to maintenance, they need to check your meter, that's that kind of stuff, right? Also could be something like you think about construction. You're doing a construction side and then you have a different field workers to build things and engineering. And also you do kind of checklist, you doing kind of, you know, uh, make sure you get like um, deliver everything on time, on quality, et cetera. But also could also be like, you know, telecommunication. You know, we, we, have, a te- we have a telecommunication infrastructure. So you also need to build out this infrastructure, also maintain this infrastructure. So that's kind of typical if we think about the field services. Uh, and, um, uh, what, what we, I kind of think is the, the changing, you know, in the past uh, kind of few years. I mean, the, there's a huge domain actually called field services management software. There's so many companies provide that from like Salesforce to SAP, this other Oracle large players. And then the, the changing in the last, uh, I think maybe 10 years kind of time is because of the development on the mobile. You know, back to mobile again. So not right now, most field workers actually use a mobile devices when they do work. You know, they either taking an order, work order, or they finish, they complete the order, work detail. They do a checklist. They do an inspection. They have a, like, they have a mobile devices, which support them to do the work. And also people in the office, they actually send a job order, which the people in the field actually can say that order instantly and everything they done in the field and put the information in and the, and the data sent to the back, back office instantly as well. I mean, that's because the, you know, the, the development on the mobile phone and the so many uh, companies already adopting this kind of mobile approach. So I think that's kind of big uh, changing in the past uh, few years. I mean, still lots of companies are just, just catching up. You know, one of our partners actually, they just massively launched this whole mobile kind of field uh, uh, services and then like a few, few months before, right? So it's still kind of, you know, this kind, in this kind of shaping area. But so what we're thinking, I mean, that's the reason we kind of thinking, you know, like uh, uh, right now you're in mobile, which is great, but then what's the next thing, right? So you, you're in the field, there's so many things you need. They, they want to get things faster. You are in a condition, there's so many hazards around you. Your hand sometimes is busy and then you're away from your knowledge base, your handbook, and then how can we help them, right? So that's kind of, I think that's kind of a big kind of trending movement is to provide this kind of like, they call multi-experience to the field workers, right? They allow them to use voice, they allow them to provide this kind of assistance, help them to do things. And then more and more companies adopting this VR or AR type of devices. And then so they can actually overlay a lot of data in front of the things. So for example, if in a construction site, I could have a glasses, and then I can say what is supposed to be built on this side. How does it look like, right? And then how you communicate with system, you have to use voice. <laughs> how do you get help? You have to use a voice assistant. So that's what we think, you know, there's definitely a uh, lot interesting thing could explore. 
And also, I mean, if taking Ralph Gardner's report, and they actually predicted like a lot of work going to be scheduled by BART in 2025. So being industry, I think that's a big shifting like on that direction as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and Nicola, I'd love for you to speak to, you know, the use case that you've built for clients in this space and kind of, you know, the what you guys do in terms of NLP. Because I think one of the challenges I would consider in that space is you have a, maybe a lot of loud noises. You've got a lot of different um, languages. You've got a lot of different uh, levels of education. Like you said, the hands are free. There's a lot that would need to be done, I would imagine, to make this effective and to work. Can you talk a little bit about you know, what your process has been in terms of what you can share and the use case that your team created? Definitely. You've touched upon the, the main topics, really. The most interesting parts technologically as well, the most difficult ones as well. Um, so I'll, I'll try to break it down a little bit and, and I'll start with, with what you said, that the use case, right? What is it exactly that we started off? So, um, the product that we are offering, uh, as, as the first product in this space, uh, which is based on just part of our technology is called true understanding. Uh, and so true understanding, uh, is, uh, as the name suggests, it's, it's really about under the first step, which is understanding what the field worker or the end user is really uh, saying to the system. Uh, the first application of true understanding is really more in the logging and reporting of things. So, and, and then from there, we will expand into the knowledge base use case that Linda mentioned as well. So uh, what you can imagine just maybe as a hands-on example is if a person uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a factory or, or somewhere walks around and sees a faulty equipment or needs to, to log the current ongoing maintenance work. So instead of uh, using pen and paper or those uh, quite inconvenient mobile apps where you need to type while also having an instrument in your hand, you would just say device number X55 has this and this issue. And you would use a lot of also technical jargon, a lot of acronyms. And so you would, you would try to describe it as you would describe it to your usual work colleague who might be taking notes, but there is no such colleague. So this is true understanding, uh, for this field work, uh, scenario. And, uh, the particular technical challenges that went into this, you mentioned correctly. So some have to do with the voice technology itself. So, loud noises, accents, um, and, and in general, a, a different voice environment than perhaps uh, as an end user at home, right? So that is number one. But then the other thing is also about actually understanding from this very varied input what the user truly meant, right? So actually mapping to the semantics, to the meaning of what the user says. And so this is also where our technology is very key that we have developed over the last couple of years. And so part of, of, of what we are able to do with this true understanding, but also the technology behind it is to map very unstructured text and very unstructured data, natural language data, and to map it against very specific uh, forms, uh, and, and data structures. So, so as you can imagine, uh, the, the person that would usually fill in the, the form by pen and paper, uh, what our algorithm allows us to do is to map arbitrary input that is about this form into this pen and paper form, of course, digitally. Um, and I'm happy to speak more also about some of the techniques we use, but but I'll, I'll leave it over to you, Carrie. If, well, my, yeah, my first question is um, this, you said it's not just hearing what they say, but trying to understand what they mean. That is hard enough in the human language. 
right? I mean, how many times are we having a conversation with someone and you're trying to articulate it a certain way and the other person is just not getting it? And you're like, how do I say this differently? (laughs) So you understand. So when that's challenging enough, how do you do that with AI? Very good question. Basically, one other benefit of true understanding, uh, which is precisely this this uh, problem you're, 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 you mentioned, is that even human-to-human conversation is ambiguous, right? So today we agree on one thing, then tomorrow we come back and we don't understand what we agreed upon. And so, but what true understanding gives us as well is it gives us a structure of what the meaning is. So it, it basically... When true understanding says this was a mechanical issue, the person the next day, the other person that then goes back and sees, oh, what did my colleague Jim do? Right? Oh, he said it's a mechanical issue. There is a description of what true understanding. So this algorithm, our algorithm understands with the word mechanical issue. So then Jim can go and say, oh, this is what was meant by uh, mechanical issue. So basically, just to to translate that maybe uh, to, to, to make it more clear is we map the ambiguity of the user, not into the ambiguity of another user, but we map it into what true understanding itself defines as clear. So it says, I think you said mechanical issue and I understand the mechanical issue as it's this, this, and this, and that. So basically true understanding does not only the mapping to a certain semantic frame or to the meaning, but it also describes what it means by the meaning, right? And so there is never the ambiguity of what did the person mean because true understanding gives you this meaning on top of just mapping what the user said, if that makes sense. Yes, that's very impressive. And as you had mentioned in the beginning of this episode, the two of you, you know, that's what Blooper is trying to continue to push and to work on because I do think that's a problem not just in field services, like you said, there's all the extra noise, but kind of beyond that as well. So can you share with us, um, again, whatever you can share, if there's a company that you've worked with, how they've utilized what you've had, maybe any results or any feedback, is there anything that either of you can share? Nika, do you want to share or you want me to share? Yeah, yeah. obviously some of that is probably more confidential. but I can I can walk through uh, without naming a specific company. I can walk you through uh, a use that that we are looking at uh, at the moment. So, um, so this fieldwork example goes beyond just industry that people are. You know, it's it's not just the the people in the in the helmets, the yellow helmets and the yellow vests, uh, and that we don't see in factories or in in uh, utility companies it's actually much closer to home as well. And so one of the use cases that I'll, I'll speak to you about with one of our uh, uh, partners is actually in, in shopping malls. So in shopping malls, that also their field work is, uh, also translates to shopping malls in that, and there are various use cases there. So one is actually uh, the, the, the staff that works in shopping malls and when they walk around the mall and just say, hey, this shop, the lights are broken or the window is broken or here floor five, the fire exit is blocked or something like this. So actually having a centralized logging uh, platform for all the staff in shopping mall, but also the back end services of a shopping mall. So the piping systems and so on. So, so that, that really allows 
everyone to use the same interface. And also instead of reporting the issue on pen and paper and then the fire exit is still blocked the next day and, and that is a huge problem, it actually gets translated immediately to a central database. And as described before, true understanding says, oh, fire exit or fire hazard is a specific thing, right? Obviously, we humans would immediately understand it as well. But in case somebody is confused about it, you can still read up what exactly is meant by it, et cetera, et cetera. So, so this is a very practical, actually, application that we're working on with one of our partners. So actually bringing it very ho- close to home with, with our technology. That's very exciting. Now, in terms of, you know, a lot of what you're talking about is very operational. It's in-house, it's internal. You know, sometimes people think voice is only about uh, the external or the shopping or the user. This is something a little bit different. Um, Where does maybe brand play a role or does it in something like this in terms of, you know, if there's any type of sounds or music or a particular voice that is in part of it. Is there anything that is important in terms of that when it comes to the field services industry? Linda, any thoughts on this? Um, I think right now in the field services, I mean, people more, I mean, the, the benefit uh, we're actually discussing with our partners more about, you know, productivity, data quality, uh, health safety, and then enable the future, you know, the decision, automatic decision making. So it's more kind of, um, uh, from that perspective. So I haven't really touched too much in terms of the personalization, but they do have one quite interesting thing is about to actually improve the employee retention. So because normally in the field services, people considering it's really old fashioned industry. The younger generation don't want to do anything. But, you know, one of our partner actually thinking by applying this new technology could light up, you know, the field services a little bit to make their employee feel like they're actually working on something I'm quite exciting and uh, so could help their employee retention. So I think uh, uh, right now I haven't really touched in terms of really kind of like, a, you know, a brand voice or brand voice identity, etc. But I think, I mean, from my personal view, I think uh, from e-commerce, I mean, from B two C perspective, from you know consumer perspective, yeah, there are very kind of generally trends in in terms of that because you know it's like a your visual identity, right? Every brand want to distinguish themselves from their competitors, so they need something different. Also, I mean. I found it fascinating because a voice by nature shows you ident- shows your personality, right? They have some way to make you feel about this person, even if you don't say this person, you just hear the voice. So I think, uh, you know, personalize the voice, personalize the voice identity, definitely something in the consumer space. I think it's definitely something very interesting and then, um, you know, going to be very kind of lots of things, new innovation going to be around the area. Yes, Nikolai, anything to add in terms of either side as she's talking about in a different industry, the commerce side or the employee retention and how that kind of personalization could help enhance the experience? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, what Linda said is absolutely correct. And I think there's maybe one additional perspective on that, which is that actually um, using different voices and, and also intonation and prosody uh, one can influence how the user understands what the system is saying, but also understands what you expect back from the user. So, if if you can imagine that the voice is uh, sound, so the voice will influence how quickly the user responds or how the user will will react, and and also with with bear. But this is something of the future, right? So this is, uh, but but I, 
I think there is a lot of potential in introducing emotion into also the voice output of the system. And so communicating confusion to the user as well, so that the user is actually not just uh, with a, like, like what we experience from the big players, that there's always the same voice, whether they understood you or not. And, and then you're disappointed. Whereas we humans, we are, we are very good at communicating confusion with, with different voices. So, and that is just one example of this emotional communication via voice that I think will be possible in the future. I like that. I've never thought about that uh, confusing as an emotion. And you're right, because if you don't understand something, you might be like, wait, what is that what you meant? You know, you kind of change how you're saying something versus I got it. Great. Uh, that's a really good example. I like that a lot. When, again, we're talking about field services today, is there maybe one tip that each of you can give in terms of if somebody in this industry is saying, okay, I want to get into conversational AI, I want to add it to what I'm doing, or we have it and maybe it's not working or I want to improve it. You know, one tip for the field services industry along any of those things. Linda, I'll start with you. I think uh, I would suggest start small, just, uh, you know, set up a small kind of project and a clear goal and then try it on. Because, um, you know, what we're trying to do actually change users' behavior it's very difficult to change users' behavior. We all know this. So you need to try, start small, and then to gradually get people to be used to, to this kind of new technology or new way of interaction, then, you know, build a habit. And then eventually people will love that kind of things. Yeah. Yes, you are correct. We've heard, st- you know, start small before, but your reasoning of in order to change user behavior, it has to be little and then kind of expand upon it, I think is a great way of saying it. Anything to add here, Nikolai? What would be maybe your one tip? Uh, overall, I, I agree with Linda on that. And I think this is the, the main tip that I would, I would give as well. Uh, obviously, uh, work with Blooper. Um, but apart from that, uh, it's, it's, I think, also about uh, finding the right use case for voice. So often people uh, try to solve, uh, they try, they think AI can solve a problem, but really they need to identify the problem first and, and make sure that that voice is, is actually, and in, in general, AI is the right right place to start solving this problem. So that's, I guess, the second thing. So start small, and but also make sure it's, it's actually a solvable problem uh, with conversational AI. Yes. Uh, again, again, another great tip that I think is important. It seems the simple things, but we need to kind of start in that strategy space first and then expand. If people want to learn more about anything we spoke about or they want to connect with Vlooper or either of you, where is the best place to do that? Linda, I'll start with you. Yeah, definitely can, you know, um, connect me on LinkedIn and uh, uh, also, you know, our website. If you have any inquiries, you can send us an inquiry, but definitely connect me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Nikolai? Yeah, same same for me. Connect me on LinkedIn uh, or follow me also on, on Twitter. So AI underscore Nikolai for that. Uh, but LinkedIn and uh, and our company website is the best way. And what's the website? Vlooper.com. Uh, Perfect. Well, I thank you both for being here and sharing the great work that you're doing at Vlooper and really kind of expanding our idea on where voice can fit, especially within the field services. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. And I thank you all so much for watching and listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our Read Speaker AI YouTube channel as well as our audio podcast, Creative and Tech, wherever you listen to podcasts.
Thank you for listening to Creative in Tech. Want to learn more about conversational AI, text-to-speech, or be notified of our upcoming episodes and events? Learn more at readspeaker.ai.